What's going on, everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I want to welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. And this episode is going to be no different. Stick around, and we're going to get started right now. Well, it's good to have everybody back. Super excited to have you all back for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I'm Glenn P. Brooks Jr., and I'm excited to be back at the microphone sharing yet another story behind the brand. Here's what we know to be true. In a blog post on HuffPost.com, a contributing writer, Flynn Coleman, asks this question. He says, why are stories so powerful? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that they are actually more memorable than facts. Our brains, believe it or not, are wired to respond to stories. Metaphors and anecdotes actually help us to relate our ideas or relate, I'm sorry, ideas to our own experiences, providing richness and texture. Um, Stories bring you actually and your listeners into a multi-dimensional world full of colors, sights, smells, and emotions, which makes us all feel as though that we're actually living the story. Today is no different, you guys. I wanted to bring this person. I had a chance to hear her speak on Clubhouse. This was a while back. And uh, it was just amazing some of the information that she was sharing. And more importantly, I think I connected to her heart and what she was trying to deliver. And so I just invited her to jump on a call with me just to kind of get to know her. It was just interesting hearing all of the things that she had been through and some of the things she was going through. And then that's when I found out that she actually uh, did business in this space. Uh, She's a certified Christian life coach. Uh, She's a marriage and family therapist. Um, and a resident rather. and But the truth of the matter is this woman is a servant leader. And I think that that's what resonated more than anything else. Without further ado, I want y'all to put your hands together and welcome to the stage, Kenya Campbell, uh, as we get a chance to drill down on her story behind her brand. Let's go. Hey, coach. Thank you so much for this opportunity to come and share with you um, my story. Um I love this space, love the podcast. I am a marriage and family um, therapist resident, um, Christian life coach. I'm a minister, um, intercessor, all of the things, um, who is really trying to promote the story of Jesus plus therapy. Um, And so how did I get here? Um, I grew up in a middle class home with two parents who loved me. Um, I have a younger sister. I'm the oldest. A lot of people who know me don't find that surprising. Um, Very task-driven. I am a very goal-oriented, which are strengths, but the story behind how they came to be, um, is that a story? And so in my home, we grew up, um, like I said, middle class, but my father grew up in extreme poverty where he grew up in a little town that I don't think it even has a stoplight. It has a stop sign um, where they had a one bedroom home that his parents and his eight siblings shared. So he, uh, well, his seven siblings, the eight of them shared the bedroom while his parents slept on the couch. Um, They uh, were the only black family in the community, um, endured a lot of hardship, a lot of racism. Um, So success, um, what they defined as success was really important to them. 
Uh, it's a running joke in our household. We're not going to have one of something. We're going to have 20 because my father was, we were never going to run out. We were never going to lack it. If we had one roll or package of paper towels, this is pre-pandemic, we had 20. Um, and so success was important. Um, the same with my mom. Um, her mother grew up sharecropper and so did her father. And so they moved to the Midwest, established themselves, worked their way into middle class, but it was still this process of working themselves to where they wanted to be. So work ethic was extremely important. Um, it was kind of the embedded thought, the embedded uh culture that we would all go to school. Education was our way out. My maternal grandmother, um, who I was extremely close to, um, I watched her um, study for her GED while I was growing up because she had been in the fields and with her siblings and had not got a chance to finish her education. So education was um, a theme in our family. Um, one of the other major themes in our family was stability. As you can imagine, if you grew up in a home where your parents had endured poverty, stability, financial stability, um, all of those things were important. There was a lot of love. Um, because of some of the circumstances with my father's family, didn't spend a lot of time with them. When he left that environment, he didn't have an extreme desire to go back. Um, and, and there were just some family drama. We know how families are. So um, just but growing up with my sister, um, it, it was just expected, never vocalized, but expected that stability was going to be a part of our life. And everything that we did was geared towards attaining that stability. So my mom had one job her her life. She spent 35 years working for the phone company and she retired from there. My father left the military. That was his way out um, of his situation and went to work for the post office and retired from there. My sister graduated from college and went to work for the state of Ohio, where she still works. Um, God has graced her with great favor there. And I graduated and went to work for the probation department in our local community and was there for 18 and a half years. So while it was never spoken, the culture and the expectation was that you seek and find stability. And that is what we did. And so after 18 years in that, God started to really talk to me about transitioning out of there, which was like a foreign language for me. I'm like, mm, no, I'm going to retire. I got a sound retirement plan. I, we are working this. This is where I'm going to retire from. I'm uh, married to a wonderful man and have two kids who are now 24 and 22, but working for probation allowed me the flexibility in my schedule so I could be there for the kids. I could be there for my family. And so logically, it just did not make sense. As I look back on it now, it was a whole setup, but logically at that time, it didn't make sense. And I remember beginning to talk to my, my mom about transitioning from where I was um, and literally her almost having a panic attack. Um, she is like, what are you going to do? She's like, you have a good job. Why would you leave that job? Like, what is that? And I just simply told her, this is what God is saying. He's saying, I need to leave. And so because we came from a culture where, where goals and tasks were formally um, uh, very embedded in, in what we did, you know, I formulated a plan, created the plan, started to work the plan, to transition into contract work. Um, a little bit of the backstory is when 
got, I was also a youth pastor at one point. And during that, I, I'm telling y'all, I kicked, screamed, fought when God started talking to me about working with the next generation. I was like, no, no, sir. I was like, um, they're very stubborn. You can't reach them. Like I had a whole list of reasons for God while I didn't want to do that. And so at that point, I had maybe been in probation for about 16 years, had never had any issues. And I got placed under a supervisor who um, (laughs) there was some contention and he began to ride me left and right. And I finally went to our chief and I said, hey, I, I need a shift here. I need to move. And guess where the only available position was within the department? In the juvenile division. And so I transitioned over into the juvenile division. And um, within, I will say, 30 days, I found myself one day leaving work, sitting in my car with tears running down my eyes. Um, They placed me in a position that they never put somebody new to the department. And I was working with kids who had been removed from their homes and were in placement facilities all over the country. Um, And when I would read their stories and when I would talk to them, the, the trauma and the things that they had endured literally began to break my heart. And I just sat in my car one day with tears streaming down my face. And I said, God, you have to talk to me about why these kids are enduring what they're enduring. Why the God who created the heavens and the earth is allowing these kind of atrocities to take place. And I remember that became that became my daily conversation with God going home. And I remember him saying to me, he's like, I am creating a generation who is going to live for me. They are going to take up the sword. They are going to know that when I bring them out of where they are, that it could only have happened by my hand. And for me, they'll live and for me, they'll die. They're going to fight and go hard for the kingdom because of what they endured. And so I just it became a a place of prayer. It became a place of um, intercession. Um, God really birthed intercession for me. Um, But it also became this place of sorrow and burden um, I remember sitting across the table, um, the kids would get out of placement, you know, they would do the work, they'd get out of placement, they'd come see me, we develop a community plan to keep them on track. And I remember one young man coming to see me and he sat across the desk from me. Um, now this, this young kid had done some pretty bad things, pretty hardcore, but there were tears streaming down his face. And I was like, you know, what, what is going on? What's wrong? And he simply said to me, you lied to me. You told me this could be different. You told me that I had a chance for success. um, But then you sent me right back into the same place that messed me up. And I began to see that the system I was working in did not see families as a system that they saw the child as the identified client, as the problem Um, And so they were targeted on addressing the child, but the family system as a whole was going untouched and was continuing in the dysfunction. And so when God started talking to me about leaving, it was to transition into a place of social worker where I really got to go into the homes and work with the families. I became a certified uh, parent educator and really preferred to work with the parents on how do we shift this system that is your family. 
And so that became like where I entered my journey of entrepreneurship. Kenya, let me say this because what is blowing me completely away And for those of you guys who are just tuning in and maybe you're just listening to this podcast, I don't know if you're in a a gym and you're hustling or you're on a train or you're in somebody's car or or maybe you're sitting here listening to us live on Clubhouse or LinkedIn or any other platforms. Can you, here's the thing that I think that resonates with me more than anything else. And when we're talking about the story behind the brand, you were steeped in stability. You were nurtured in stability. You were reared in stability. Um, That's all you saw, whether it was hard times, uh, not so hard times, even in good times. It was always relative to stability. So much so that when you transition from, you know, stability to the instability of the entrepreneurial world, uh, your mother, like, legit started coming unglued. It's like, oh, my God, like, this is not what we taught you. However, the reason you're making these transitions is to provide or bring what she did or they did or your environment did to the forefront to provide for other people. Now, this is something that I discovered with you that really resonated big time, and it's your love for the family as a unit and as a system. And I don't think that many people understand that. So can you do me a huge favor and talk to me a little bit about how did you walk the tenants, the things that you learned in that stability environment, right? Because nobody these days worked the same job for 30 and 40 years. It just doesn't happen. We don't know life like that anymore. How did you bring that in for this young person who was literally crying because they felt like you threw them back to instability? Can you talk to us about how do you bring those kinds of tenants into business and into your brand in that way that where they're tangible and you can actually hang your hat on it to some degree. Does that make sense? Talk to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's it starts with getting the family to see that they're a system and that they're a unit, that the family is this place where each person has a part, but that creates the system. And I think when they start to think of themselves as a system, then they start to realize the impact they have on each other and the system as a whole. And so it's a complete mindset shift. It is um, this place of taking in a world where everything is I, 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 me, 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 me. It has to become us. And then um, really in the formation of my practice, what I do um, as a strategist and a coach, what I do as a therapist, it's getting people to see that systems operate on interactional patterns. How we interact with each other determines what the system is, how the system functions, and whether or not the system is successful or not. And so when we start to evaluate those interactional patterns and see what the dysfunction is in those interactional patterns, then we can start to introduce ways to shift those patterns and create what we want to create. I love working with couples. And one of the things I tell them on day one is that the whole goal is for us to reach this place where you function both as an individual and a part of the system simultaneously. I can't hear you, coach. I'm sorry. Here we go. My bad. I was on mute all excited. I'm saying over here, listen to me. I'm I'm super excited, Kenya, because I think that that's not only possible, 
but it's highly probable when you introduce the idea that it's going to start with me shifting how I see this. And I honestly think, oh my God, that's just so good. When you're doing this work with people, whether it's in your practice or, you know, for an organization, um, you know, with groups, what do you feel is the most challenging areas for people to buy into that kind of thinking? Where, where can you help people sort of do work almost before they ever come to you in terms of sitting down with you? Where, where are the sticking points? Um, I really think hope that what I find is by the time you've gotten to me, there have been so many issues, so many struggles that you just don't have hope. You don't have belief or faith that things can be different. And so one of the first things I do is this thing called um, a genogram. And basically it's just tracking the interactional patterns within the family. And so that's the pre-work is how going back through your own history and seeing how did we communicate? How did we interact? How is that showing up for me? And does that serve me well? And if it doesn't, then let's introduce the hope needed for you to be able to change and shift that. Ooh, 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 I'm excited. Y'all listen, if y'all are listening to this, I, first of all, I didn't stop taking notes because I can't keep up because I'm taking notes, I'm pushing buttons, I'm listening, and I'm getting excited because when you talk about hope and belief and faith, I think that it's about painting pictures, right? So talk to me a little bit about what does it look like for you to paint a hope picture? I know I characterize it by the the statement, what would it look like if, fill in the blank, right? That's that's kind of my word And when I'm working with people. How do you paint that? Because when the child is sitting there streaming and crying and their tears are flowing, they believe that you absolutely knew that when you threw them back to that system, you did it with their demise involved. In other words, you did this to them and that you're a part of that process. That's a hard thing to paint a picture of hope when people have been messed over like that. Talk to me a little bit about what that kind of could look like. And I will tell you, in doing the genograms, I even do it with my adolescent clients it is this place where it frees you from this place of shame that allows hope to take place. It helps you see that I, I was not created as a bad person. My parent was not created as this bad person because that is kind of the statement that I often have to combat that I'm just internally evil. And so it helps you see that, no, there were some patterns in the family that were created and those patterns have produced where we are. So the book, what the big what if is if we can look at these patterns and uncreate them or create new ones, then that's a place of hope. It, it's taking a step back from it's me again and looking at the big picture. And that gives you and I just want to let you know, coach, like in one of the modalities that we practice, like that's the, your statement is a whole thing. Like the whole modality is centered around the miracle question. That's what we call it. Yeah. Yo, listen, listen, Kenya, <laughs> this is why like I could geek out over this stuff all day. I, I, I love it because and, and I want to I want you to talk a little bit about your business and your work. Like for me, it's the result. So I'm 56 years old and like you, I worked in youth ministry. For me, it was more than 20 years and having been that involved with kids and parents over that many years. And then I went on to you know, drive a school bus and work in the educational system. Just again, around that same dynamic, it becomes something that you can't separate yourself from. And I really 
think that it's amazing when you can paint that picture. Talk to us a little bit about the practice. There are people who are listening and saying, oh my God, like I would love to get my child. I would love for my spouse and I to pull up or, you know, if is there work that you do online? Is there resources? Talk to us a little bit about the work you're doing today and and the receipts, if you can, you can change the name to protect the innocent. I want you to talk about some success, some hope stories, some success stories. Yes, absolutely. Um, even in transitioning, I am still um, doing a little bit of contract work while I'm building my private practice as a marriage and family therapist. Um, and so in that, for me, um, uh, I worked with Dr. Joyce um and creating the name of the business, Momentum Counseling and Coaching. I'm really about building momentum because I just told a client last night, uh, Monday night, I said, really, my goal is for you to not need me. I want to work myself out of a job with you. I want you to be able to fire me because you don't need me anymore. And so that conversation we were having was because I was seeing the successes. I was seeing um, the progress. And we did a whole session um, on evaluation and progress. Um, And I don't do it like a one, two, three. I do it as a conversation so they don't know I'm doing an evaluation. But I was like, I really think we're ready for it to step down to a monthly. And a lot of my clients, when I say that, they kind of seize up like, are you about to leave me or run away? I'm like, no. But I want you to recognize that you've built the momentum that you need to move forward and kind of maintain the success that you have uh, garnered during our time together. And so that is my goal. And it's getting people really, um, again, to journey through what's serving you, what's not. I do a lot of values work. What are your values? And do the patterns that you've created serve those values? And if not, Let's recreate patterns. I know you keep hearing me saying that because it's so true. Recreate patterns, create patterns that serve those values. Listen, Kenya, I I believe in that. I call it rewiring. I think that a lot of us, because of our environment and circumstances, we've been hardwired to show up a certain way. And I believe that we can be unwired or rewired and reconnected in a way that makes it work for us. For those of you guys that are listening, um, her name is Kenya Campbell. She's doing some amazing work. Um, I, I can tell you that if you're in the room live with us here on Clubhouse, uh, certainly click on her bio um, or at the top of the room, rather, that will get you information on the Momentum Motivator. Uh, for those people that are listening to us elsewhere, uh, let them know, Kenya, where can they go out and how can they get connected with you? Yeah, you can find me at my website, MomentumCounselingAndCoaching.co. If you're in the state of Indiana and looking for a therapist, you can look me up. If you're anywhere in the world looking for a coach, um, then you can contact me there as well. There's a a portal link on my website. Um, I offer a 15-minute free consultation where we have a conversation that helps us determine if we're a good fit. Um, And then we move forward from there. It's the language for me. Kenya, listen. I just love hanging out in spaces like this with people like you. This is so amazing. Thank you so much for saying yes to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. The story behind your brand is freaking amazing. 
And I get it. I get it why that stability is so real for so many others. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and uh, thank Kenya for, for just dropping so much amazing information on us. Kenya, I appreciate you. And guys, if you're listening in the audience, here's what I know. I need you to go everywhere where you're streaming uh, your podcast and like this show, share it out with a friend, download it, save it for later, because at the end of the day, you cannot get to any place of significance by yourself. The reason is because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.